0: Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to Open Mic here on the John Campy YouTube channel, the show where the mic is open. The floor is yours. We're here to talk about whatever it is you guys want to talk about in the world of our favorite things, movies and movie news and TV and streaming. So listen, if you've got a topic or question that you'd like us to address on Open Mic, there's two ways you can get your topic or question to us. The first way is if you're watching the show on one of the 23 hours that we're not actually streaming live, you can go ahead and use our tip link. Go there anytime, 24-7 at StreamElements.com slash JohnCampia slash tip. You can send it in that way. Or if you're watching live, and hello to everybody who's watching live right now, you can use the Super Chat feature and send it in that way. And if your topic or question is appropriate for us to address here live on the show, unlike half the things that Ray wants to talk about, then we will go ahead... <laughs> And do that. Now, speaking of which, joining me in studio is Ray Aura. Hey, hey, hey. Right beside him is Jonathan Voiko. going on? And by the way, we had a big, big company meeting earlier today, and we were talking about future programming, and, and Ray put something forward. So starting next week, the newest show on the John Campy channel, Turtle Talk. Turtle Talk. All turtle, all the time. hmm Hosted by Ray Aura. It's going to be a seven-hour daily live stream. Yep. Because we figure that's the only way. <laughs> it's the only way. I don't know what to say today. They'll have enough. They'll have enough time to answer all the questions, all the way up to Mutant Mayhem Two. That's right, taking you to the sequel. <laughs> and uh, will there be a sequel? I don't know. We'll find out. But you know what? I'll tell you this. Ray and I are going to go see it tonight for a second time. Second, two times, two times, two, time. <laughs> two time. We're going to go watch it again. I can't believe I liked it. Can't believe I'm stunned. I mean, we put out our out-of-the-theater reaction to it. I am stunned. I actually really liked it. I don't think it's, you know, going to be a top 10 greatest movie of the year. No. But I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you I had a really good time watching this movie. And I'm actually really looking forward to going back and watching it again. So there. All right, listen. Uh, before we get to your topics and questions that you guys have been sending in, something a little I want to talk about here off the top. So... The Loki season two trailer dropped this morning, and it gave us a firm release date. What was it what was it October fifth, something I like that? So. It's, I, th- I think it was October fifth. It's October something. Guys in the live chat, correct me if I'm wrong there, but it's definitely October something. So sixth, it's the sixth. Okay, I was close. It's close. Um, now look, I'm going to be honest with you. Loki might be my s- now third favorite MCU character. For the longest time, he was my second favorite MCU character. My my favorite MCU character is Steve Rogers. That's my favorite character. Loki, played masterfully by Tom Hiddleston, who actually got the role because he went into audition for Thor. He almost got the Thor role over Chris Hemsworth. They gave it to Chris Hemsworth. They thought the two of them had great chemistry together. He became Loki, and the universe worked out the way it was supposed to because he's awesome as Loki. Uh, he was my second favorite. Then Ms. Marvel came out, I think... Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel, is now my second favorite MCU character. But Loki is still up there in the top three. Love this character. So I was very excited when Loki season one was coming out. And there are definitely a couple of episodes I thought were really good. But overall, I thought the Loki series was okay. I thought it was okay. I mean, mean, it's not bad. Not like She-Hulk or Hawkeye or anything. But it was okay. It was all right. I enjoyed parts of it. Some episodes were pretty bad. Um, some things they didn't do well, some things they did do well, all that kind of stuff. So I've been really interested to see what they could do and what would they do with a season two. So the trailer dropped today. And guys, I don't know if it's because of my general ho-hum attitude about season one. The I, I, I ho-hum's a little bit underselling. I, like I said, I thought it was okay. I thought it was pretty good. But I don't know if it was my general lack of, of super excitement and enthusiasm for the results of season one. But I watched this trailer and I got to say, I, I didn't love it. I didn't love it. And is it just me? I'm pretty sure they didn't let Kang have any dialogue, right? I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't recall them. I
1: think the very end, he says something on stage.
0: Oh, did it? Because I know they showed the shot of him on stage. I could swore. Now I have to But I can't it. remember if we actually heard him say anything. If anything, I, I think,
2: it was really just a, a if anything was brief. It was like a mumbled word. Yeah, yeah. Like just one one or two words. That's it.
0: So you notice in this shot here that Jonathan's got up, they're doing they're putting on a little bit of a Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse glitching. Oh, he actually disappears. So that that's although that visually looks really good, right. I gotta say. And listen, of course, I'm super excited to see Owen Wilson because I love Owen Wilson. I even really liked him in uh Haunted Mansion that we just saw. Mm. I, I'm a big Owen Wilson fan. I have been, gosh, ever since Shanghai Shanghai Noon. That That's the first movie I, I recognized <laughs> and really took notice of him was when he was with Jackie Chan in Shanghai Noon. Loved him in that. I've loved him ever since. You can make the argument that he's been playing the same character ever since. Oh, wow. Owen's oh, oh, playing yeah. Owen? Yeah. yeah. But oh, you know what? Wow. I don't care. Wow. 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 Um, wow. But I love him. I love him playing that character, so I don't care. Um but yeah, I, I guess I didn't love it. Ray, you saw the trailer. I heard you watching it. I'm still confused. <laughs> yeah,
2: but I don't know if you ever saw the first one. So. I, I, no, like I, I'm seriously confused by a trailer. I got to wait for the first episode because I'm,
1: I'm looking forward to it. My, my What I said before the show was I'm done getting super excited for Disney Plus yeah. series. So instead- We've just been let down too many times. Yeah. So instead I feel like my expectations are tempered. So I think this is going to be good. I don't think it's going to be amazing. I don't think it's turning around Disney Plus, you know. So I thought, I thought um, Secret Evasion was good, but wasn't amazing. And, you know, I liked, I thought season one was good, right? You know the follow-up to that. It wasn't amazing. So I'm tempered. I'm looking forward to it, but I'm not like, this is going to be awesome. What did you I'm, think of the trailer itself, though? I thought the trailer was great. And I, I just, man, I love the look of the time authority like the facility that, that i that, do
0: like that's one thing I, I the, the whole lighting, design of the it design and everything, everything. the aesthetic
1: yeah i love the aesthetic of the show i can kind of get lost in that and the acting's great will the story follow i don't know that's sort of like where it that's the cliffhanger i guess is it going to be a good story but uh all the and other pieces are there
0: i did like seeing kihu kwan yeah pop up in there that was actually pretty good can't be fixed no <laughs> like yeah. i just it doesn't really, happen it's like but it, we just saw it it's like i know I know. And now he can add an Emmy to his Oscar. <laughs> yeah. Um, so guys, just in case you didn't notice, those of you who were watching live, I just put up a poll asking you guys, did you guys like the Loki season two trailer? I, I, I didn't hate it. So I wish I put a third option because I just put yes or no. Now I wish I'd put a third option of, eh, I'm kind of in the middle, yeah. but I'm going to say overall, no, I didn't, personally like it all that much, but I am in the minority because right now, 83, no, now it's 82, 82% of you guys are saying that you did like the new trailer. Uh, Only 18% of you, I'm one of the 18%, I guess, only 18% of you are saying that you didn't like it. So I'm in the minority here. Apparently most people did like the trailer. And you know what? Maybe I would have liked it more if I liked season one more. Maybe this is a situation where I'm letting my overall feelings of the first season, which was, eh, you know, it's all right, kind of coloring my attitude about the trailer. I don't know. Uh, We'll have to wait and see. All right, guys, with that down... Let's do what we are here to do, which is to take your comments, theories, thoughts, opinions, questions about anything going on in the world of movies and entertainment. And we're going to start off with the people who used our tip link. So, Jonathan, what do we got up here first?
1: All right. First up, oh, and I would recommend don't don't watch Loki, John, at midnight just real quick. Oh, wait yeah. To, no, I've given till up Wait the morning on that. for this
0: one. Given okay. up on 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 uh, staying up till midnight for Disney Plus shows. So
1: Sailor Girl writes, I have only really liked two MCU te- oh, Speaking of two MCU TV shows, Miss Marvel and Wandavision. God bless. I also loved all Daredevil, Punisher season one of Jessica Jones. Hated Iron Fist, but Netflix still had more winning TV shows on a lower budget, and they had good storytelling.
0: Yeah, overall, listen, I was a little hit and miss with the Netflix shows. Loved Daredevil seasons one, two, and three. Loved Punisher season one and two and i thought the uh what was the name of the jessica team up jones? no the team up show oh
1: uh, oh defenders defenders
0: i i didn't mind defenders i thought defenders was okay yeah i did not like jessica jones season 1 i did not like jessica jones season 2 i didn't like iron fist seasons 1 or 2 i didn't like luke cage luke cage started strong right like the first half of luke cage season 1 when Mahershala lee was in it right. with cottonmouth as Every episode that Cottonmouth was in, the show was really humming. Then once Cottonmouth left the show, I just kind of felt like the energy That's of the
1: show. That's how I felt too. Yeah, I yeah. just didn't
0: like it after that. And then, and, and Mike Coulter, who plays Luke Cage, he's great. Great. Yeah, I, I mean, love him in that role, but the writing let that show down. So yeah, there were some seasons of, of, Marvel, or of Netflix's Marvel stuff that were really great, but almost an equal amount that weren't. The, but I'm with you on the Marvel Disney Plus stuff. There's only been two things that have been great, and that was Ms. Marvel and WandaVision. That's it. They've had a couple of things that were decent. Uh, Falcon Winter Soldier was decent. Uh, Loki Season 1 was decent. Um, And then you had stuff like Hawkeye, Moon Knight that were kind of disappointing. Then you had She-Hulk, which was just terrible. Um, So, yeah, it's it's a mixed bag right now. All right, what's next?
1: Broadway geeky writes, "Hey gang, with the popularity of Barbie, what is your favorite Margot Robbie movie? Mine is the Mary is Mary Queen of Scots. I know I'm
0: the odd one out since uh, no one saw it, but I loved it. It's very good. It's very very good. I, but you know, it's not. I my main answer is Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, but that's not really a Margot Robbie no. movie. I like the Tanya movie. Oh, I, I was gonna I, say Tanya. I Tanya is my favorite Margot Robbie movie. There you go. That nailed it. Uh, good I job, think that right? was her first Academy Award nomination." was for I, Um uh, and, and the girl, I keep forgetting the woman's name, the actress from West Wing, who played her mother. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm freezing on her name, but she won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress that year. Yeah. Um, and we got- I'm Looking it up. That one dude who's now in everything, I can't remember, he was the guy who played the best friend of uh, Bucky, you know, because Bucky plays- her husband in it, and then mm-hmm. he had his best friend. And I keep, I forget the actor's name. But at, at any rate, I, Tonya is Margot Robbie's best movie. I, I he's Allison,
1: just, Yeah, thank you, Chad. Allison Janney.
0: Allison Janney, thank you so much, who was also awesome on West Wing. But uh, yes, uh, easily probably I, is her best movie, I think. All right, what's next? Uh, the Master of Hexagons
1: right? what <laughs> percentage do you fault Feige for the state of the MCU now? I say 15%. He is new to TV, but I don't believe for one second he wanted to create half of the projects in Phase 4 or 5. And what are the odds he's changing Phase 6, like converting shows to films?
0: It's very hard to say because, like you pointed out, um, a lot of the stuff got mandated on him. Like when Bob Chapek took over, they restructured leadership there, and he lost a lot of his power. Kevin Feige had lost a lot of his power. Now, he's gotten it back now that Bob Iger's in charge again. But even though a lot of the things that led to the ruination of the MCU, and not that the MCU is ruined, but it's been on a kind of a ruination descent, um, is due to the fact that they overstretched themselves way too much. They started cranking out way too much content. They put a big emphasis on moving, putting MCU shows on Disney+, Plus, which has, as Bob Iger pointed out, has kind of diluted the brand. And with so much attention being put there, I think the movie side has suffered as well. They put out a couple of really good movies, Shang-Chi, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. They put out some really, really great ones, but their overall quality is dipped. I mean, I don't think there's any denying that. So look, ultimately, even if it was mandated on Kevin Feige, he's still the guy in the chair. And if we're going to give credit to, To somebody, then they also got to take a share of the blame. Make no mistake. I am still an unabashed Kevin Feige apologist. I think the man is fantastic. He's the most successful producer in the history of Hollywood. I'm not saying he's the best producer in the history of Hollywood, but he's the most successful. Um, He's amazing, but a good chunk of the weight, he's still the guy in the chair. So even though he was put in a ridiculous set of circumstances, he was still the guy in the chair. So I'd say a good 30% or more. Uh, has to be put there. And I totally believe that he can turn it around. I really do. Now that Bob Iger's back in charge, now that they've they've agreed that they need to pull back on a whole bunch of stuff, I think you're not going to see a big difference in the next two years. But I think the MCU, if Kevin Feige's even still there in the next two years, I think in about two years, you're going to see the MCU turn back around. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that he's got that authority back, that power back, they've given him permission to not stretch himself so thin. I think we're going to see a turnaround, but who knows?
1: Yeah, and and you know, to add to his being stretched, we we knew there were comments he'd made in the past that were like, oh, "That sounds like he's stretched." Where he's like, "I need to find, I need to work with directors I can just leave things with." Paraphrasing, it's like, "Yeah, oh, because what do you he can't." Mean? He
0: can't listen. Marvel. I've said this before. People who complain about studios who interfere. Guess what? No studio interferes more than Marvel. Kevin Feige from the beginning is the most direct, hands-on studio executive there is in the world but that's why marvel worked and once he started not having quality control on everything and once he started having to just leave things to other people you know act like a real studio executive um then things started to fall apart and they need to reel things in they really do Mm -hmm. all right what's next Charles, oops, cutting off the name here. Charles the Mailman writes, after watching
1: Tenet with the subtitles on, I've become convinced that it was a prequel to Interstellar. Now, after seeing Oppenheimer, I believe it's a prequel to Tenet and the three films as a whole compose Nolan's Humanity and the End of the World trilogy.
0: I, I could totally you By the yeah. way, glad you brought that up because when I did finally watch Tenet with subtitles, I liked it a lot more. <laughs> I, I I know that sounds weird, but I I mean, I didn't mind it. I liked it when I saw it in theaters. I did. I liked it, but it was also an incredibly frustrating movie because I could not understand what the characters were saying half the time. And I'm not talking about the scenes where the audience isn't supposed to be able to understand what the characters talk about. I'm talking about the scenes we were supposed to be able to understand what they were saying. <laughs> and watching with subtitles on, totally different experience.
2: Wait till you watched the Filipino version of it. <laughs> <laughs> Tenet. 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 Right. <laughs> Well, quickly
1: moving on from that. What's next? Asilver88 writes, Hey, crew, I'm catching the shows while visiting family all over El Salvador. Nice. Uh, Movie fandom is strong here, and Barbenheimer has really blown up this week. Pun intended. Waiting (laughs) to see Oppenheimer on 70mm IMAX
0: when I get back soon. Already have my ticket. I mean, it is crazy. I'll be honest with you. I watched Tenet, and it was a non-70mm IMAX screen. And I never once thought, man, I need to see this on the 70mm IMAX screen. I, I I listen, I've never understood. And and this is not me attacking anybody who prefers it this way. We all have preferences, right? I'm just saying I've personally never understood the infatuation some people have with a 70 millimeter IMAX. Now, there's some things absolutely particularly like nature stuff. I remember I used to go to the IMAX thing and they would put these nature documentaries on there shot with these IMAX cameras. And like that, that's an incredible experience. It really is. Um, but I just don't see that. Big of a difference. I remember, look, one of the other best IMAX experiences I had was watching the very opening scene of the Dark Knight in IMAX 70mm. That big wide shot of the city as they're pushing into the bank where the Joker, where they pull off the initial bank heist, like that was kind of breathtaking, I agree, but it's, it's rare that I find it to make that big of a difference. Yeah.
1: The different, main thing is just like, do you want to see it in digital or actual film? Yeah. Well, uh, even
0: IMAX is digital now.
1: Well, yeah, but 70mm was shot. So it was shot yeah. like it has that film strip. So, I mean, I, I saw um, uh, what was it? I think it was Django. It was definitely a, a Tarantino film, but you definitely see the film scratches sometimes and stuff like that too. So it comes with the territory. All right, what's next? Uh, BK Dan writes, John, with Emmys delayed, it begs the question, can actors do award shows, or is this a PR delay because of Strike? And Bring on the Filthy.
0: Yeah, so the Emmys have been delayed. I don't think they've said set a new date for it, but there was just no point in doing... I mean, we talked about the chances of it before. We talked about here are the things that could happen that would allow it to move forward. But, I mean, what's really the point of having the Emmys if the actors can't be there to accept awards and if the writers can't be there to accept awards? And so the answer to your question is I don't believe, no, actors can't go to the awards ceremony. Not because of the ceremony. They can't go because they're broadcast on AMPTP networks and the actors are striking against the AMPTP. So I can't remember what network the Emmys is supposed to be on, but let's, for argument's sake, say it was ABC. I'm pretty sure it's not, but let's say it was. There's nothing prohibiting actors from going to a ceremony. If they were just doing a non-broadcast ceremony in some hotel, the actors could go, they could accept their awards, all that kind of stuff. But if it's an ABC production, well, ABC is an AMPTP signatory. And the actors are striking against the AMPTP. So, yeah, no, the actors couldn't be there. So, again, hopefully this, for everybody involved, hopefully the strike ends sooner rather than later.
2: NBC and Peacock.
0: So, it's NBC. Okay. Yeah. So, and NBC and Peacock are both AMPTP signatories, so they can't appear on it. All right, what's next?
1: Okay, we've got Seth Bain who writes TMNT Mutant Mayhem is the first of the seven theatrically released Ninja Turtle films to be considered fresh on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: Really? I didn't realize that the other ones had been... You know what? I don't care what they say. That first live-action one um, that that uh, um, Michael Bay Michael Bay produced...
2: I like that one.
0: I like that movie. And that was another one that I didn't think was going to be any good. But and I actually one. ended up... The second one where Stephen Amell played... Uh, what's the character with the hockey mask? Uh, Casey Jones. Casey Jones. It not. It wasn't Stephen Amell's fault, but that movie was. Yeah. Really, really bad. What's the... What's this uh, critic rating right now? On? Oh, uh, last we checked, wasn't it at ninety something or eighty, uh, high eighties? Or yeah,
2: it's at ninety-seven still.
0: Ninety-seven percent. How many reviews? In? Uh 62. sixty-two. Sixty-two, and it's still at ninety-seven so percent. It, it's a it's a charming, delightful movie. Do check it out, guys, when you get a chance. All right, what's next?
1: All right, we've got Luis Cortez, part one. In a recent interview, Christopher Nolan was asked if he would direct Star Wars. His response was a brief pause, then said, pass. I think think he wants to do one, but it's the same as Bond. He wants to write his own story with full control. With the recent struggles in Star Wars, would you give him that power? In my opinion, he's the best director working today, and I think no other director today can attract as many people as he can to the theaters. Thanks for everything you guys do.
0: No, the answer to that question is no. The problem with the most recent Star Wars is the fact that there was no coherent plan. And you had new director coming in and going off in a completely different direction than the other ones. Something like Star Wars, like the MCU, cannot have the directors just doing whatever they want to do. If you want to create a cohesive cinematic world... You have to have somebody that's more on the studio and producer level that's kind of the guiding hand shepherd of the whole thing. That's going to be there for the whole long run. That's why, you know, uh, the MCU has been able to be so successful under Kevin Feige and why Star Wars has not been able to be so successful in recent uh, years because Kathleen Kennedy failed to implement or bring in the right people to make one coherent overall plan for what their Star Wars universe was going to be. I love Christopher Nolan, but you can't bring in one director to say, you get to do whatever you want because that can fuck up everything else you're trying to do. What if the next director doesn't want to do or if the producer doesn't want to follow up on what Christopher Nolan did? Like, it's just, it's not something that's going to fit. And that's why I'm not totally sure if Christopher Nolan will do a Bond film, despite the fact that he really wants to do one. He said he wants to do it, but he'll only do it if he has absolute, full, total control. And the only way that I think MGM and the Broccoli family are going to ever even consider doing that is if, okay, Chris, that's fine, but you got to sign up for a minimum of three movies. Because if if we're going to let you cast it, completely create the story and all that kind of stuff independently and have final edit and all that kind of stuff, that's fine but you got to commit to do it for just more than one movie because our other directors and we're going to have to live with whatever it is you do. So you sign up and commit to three movies or 10 years and four movies or whatever you do that. I think MGM and the broccolis will consider it. Other than that, I don't think they will. And I don't blame Christopher Nolan for asking for that, but that just won't work for star Wars. Cause here's what's going to happen. You're going to end up with one really great star Wars movie. And then you're going to have a universe again, an entire IP that's scrambling to figure out which direction it's going in. And I'll say the same thing as I did about Bond. If Christopher Nolan goes to Lucasfilm and say, hey, let me do whatever I want to do in Star Wars, I could see Bob Iger saying to him, okay, Chris, we'd love it, but you got to commit to not just one movie. You got to commit to three or four. If we're going to put, if we're going to let you just do whatever you want to do in the Star Wars universe, Well, then we need you on for more than one film. And if that would happen, I could see them doing it, but I don't see it happening. All right, what's next? Sailor Girl writes, Rachel Zegler
1: is getting hate for her heritage and saying it's not 1937. She was great in West Side Story, fed up as a woman seeing such hate. YouTube should be doing something. Misogyny is terrible, should be considered a hate crime. And in the UK, it soon will be.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's unfortunate seeing the type of, listen. There are just, we're not going to call them people. There are just walking, breathing bags of shit out there, okay? Just walking, breathing bags of shit who live off of hatred. And usually that hatred comes from their own insecurities and their own patheticness who feel like it's an important thing to attack people just for who they are.
2: Is it because of the Snow White?
0: Yep, she got cast as Snow White. so. Everybody hopped on their little pathetic, small penis cars and started to drive the hate train. It's it's it just is what it is. It's like they
1: do it thinking, oh well, this will stop the casting. This will eventually stop the casting. It's like it doesn't seem to be stopping the casting, guys.
0: No, it's it's really rather pathetic. Um, But you know what? In in recent, um, I'll just say this: I think she handled it well. And at the end of the day, it's either going to be a Barbie, where the movie is great and fantastic and has great success, or it's going to be, I don't know, a Wonder Woman 1984, where the movie's not so good, it's bad. Go straight to streaming. <laughs> and, and doesn't end up... Being successful. It's going to be one way or the other. Anyway, all right, what's next? All right. Mon- Monty P. Moneybags. Oppenheimer's
1: grandson said he didn't like early scenes of the movie because there's no report his grandfather ever tried to unalive son- anyone. Is anyone going to tell him?
0: <laughs> I'm not. Why, I mean, what does he mean unalive
1: anybody? I don't know. Is there like. An, I didn't see the movie. Yet Let so me read the quote again. I don't know what the opening scenes me, are.
0: Uh, there is a report that his grandfather. There is no report his grandfather ever tried to unalive anyone. Does he mean he's, that that Robert J. Alpin ever tried to kill anybody? Yeah. Was I don't
1: know if there was a scene early on because I didn't see it.
0: Well, I mean, I, again, <gasps> oh, if you watch oh, the oh, movie with the, with the apple. Remember, he put
2: the po- poison. Remember? Oh, is that what he's talking about? And then he left it, and but then he stopped. He stopped them from eating it because he had like second.
0: Yeah, I. That's the that's. The or is scene he talking about just the the intent at, at all of creating the atomic bomb? No, no, no I
2: think it was. Pretty deliberate that he wanted to uh, do something to that dude. He okay. gave gave the apple to. I think that's. Well, what I mean,
0: I d- I don't know and I don't care. Yeah. What? Yeah. Here's here's the thing. I I always get a little bit. I kind of look with a little bit of a skeptical eye whenever I see distant family members chirping in because I think sometimes family want to whitewash things. And make sanitize things, maybe. I'm sure if Christopher Nolan put that in there, there was a reason he put it in there. Um, So, I mean, whatever. It's an unimportant one scene in a movie. And and Oppenheimer's clearly the hero of the film. So I don't don't know why anybody cares. All right, what's next?
1: Okay, uh, Chocolate Thunder writes, I wondered uh, what were your first impressions of each other when you all met? Well, I already knew John because I was familiar with his work on uh, AMC Movie Talk.
0: Right. Well, but I but I wasn't yeah. of of you, right? Like, so right. The, I first met you because of a job interview,
2: and I first met Jonathan um, when I came back.
0: Right, because you I, were gone, and that's yeah, why
2: I came and in. I looked, I looked at the first graphic he did for the first story, and I remember it was an Iron Man story, and he chose one where, like, just like the mailbag letter. I read the mailbag letter, and I was like, and then I saw the picture he picked, and I was like, that's a great picture. That <laughs> it, it was like it, it was everything that that mailbag was asking, and I was like. And I told you, I was like, hey, nice pick for the pick. And then we oh, just yeah. got along ever since. Now, so, I can't
0: remember <laughs> when I first met you, though. I was
2: probably digging in a dumpster outside. <laughs>
0: <and> <laughs> no, because like, like, the, <laughs> I still remember the day that I met Tommy, oh, Kevin, remember, and Ryan. I remember that day. Were you in you Vegas? Came, no,
2: you came to the house, and at that, night, at that night, it was Manny Pacquiao versus Oscar De La Hoya. You brought soul with you really and that was the night that we had that fight on and then you came and i believe you we had cheese rolls there already or you brought them, whatever i the probably case. brought them. That's, that's how i was trying to you. that's where i met you and you um the second thing you brought up was like something about ufc i know that's that's that was like the second thing you talked to me about like uh if i was a ufc fan or something like right
0: because oh. i remember the, i first met Tommy, Ryan, and Kevin.
2: I never went to Vegas.
0: Right, okay. So Tommy, Ryan, and Kevin are kind of like three extended family members. Like it's a friend circle of of Ray and Ann. And I first met them, Ann and I took a trip to Vegas and the three guys uh, went to Vegas. These are like, I basically consider them family. Yeah. Uh, They were in Vegas and we were going to a nightclub at at, uh, the New York, New York Hotel. There was a night, I can't remember what the nightclub was there at the time. And that's when we went to go get in line that that we were meeting up with Anne's friends Tommy, Ryan and and Ke- uh, uh Tommy, Ryan and Kevin. And that's where I first met them. I just couldn't remember if you were there in a part of that no, too. No, so was no. that your house that I first met you? Yeah, yeah.
2: All right.
1: Okay, what's next? Uh the real Ray. Oh. They reported that Taylor Swift fans caused a 2.3 earthquake in the Seattle concert. I'm fairly alarmed since I live very close to the stadium in L.A. Yeah, but it would be super localized to the stadium area.
0: Yeah, no, no. See, it's not that they created an earthquake. What happened was they—you know how sometimes you can be in a stadium and— like fans start stomping their feet and you just wow. boom, and you could feel the stadium right. shake. They just said the amount of shake that it caused in the stadium would have been equivalent to a 2.3 earthquake. They did not cause a 2.3 Right, Richter You aren't going to feel earthquake.
1: it no matter how close you are to the stadium.
0: Yeah. No, no, you wouldn't have felt it and it wouldn't damage your house. Your yeah. worst case scenario is the stadium comes crashing down, but yeah. they're built to withstand that. Yeah.
2: You just file a lawsuit with every single Swifty. With every
0: Swifty in the
1: world. All right, what's next? BK Dan writes, John, with the WGA on strike since May, how could Glover have been tasked to write the Lando series? Or do you think he and the agents agreed before the strike?
0: Oh, yeah, it's clear the deal would have been done before, like a long time mm-hmm. ago. Yeah, yeah. It's just that, it, I think it was deadline that broke the story. It's just that deadline, they now found out about it. So because the writers, even under the writer's strike, writers can't make deals. Not only can they not write, they can't make deals. When they're in strike. So that means this deal would have been made months ago. Listen, guys, I I try to tell you guys all the time, whenever you hear about a casting or whenever you hear about a director signing on, or whenever you hear about a writer signing on the vast, not every time, but the vast majority of the times, the actual deal got made months before we ever found out about it. Right? So, uh, yeah. So the reality is that that deal was done before the WGA strike started again. Good question. All right, what's next?
1: Chloe writes, A good moment at work. Natalie Portman came in with her family shopping when she asked me if we had an item in stock. It was at the Star Wars fig- f- figures. Uh Padme figure would have... Would you have seen... uh Padme figure, would you have seen if she... Oh, if she would have autographed one. I did not for respect of her privacy. So I guess she was asking for a Padme figure.
0: First of all, Natalie Portman... Are you sure been- it was Natalie Portman? Because Natalie Portman could have just called... You know, yeah.
2: Disney said, send me over some Padme figures. I'm going to say there's a good chance that this is a target.
0: but Maybe. Could be. I Okay, so I, I think what you're, I think Jonathan's right. I think what you were asking was, had I been there and got that figure, would I have asked her to autograph it? No. I wouldn't. Have. You know what? Yeah, no. I, I don't think that would have been uh, the appropriate. I think you did the right thing by not asking. Yep. If you were just somebody in the store... And you saw her, I think that would be fine to ask. I mean, it's also a good idea to leave them to their privacy, but I, I wouldn't hold it against you if you were just walking down the aisle and you saw her and you asked her. That, that, I think that's okay. But if you were working there, yeah. I, I think you did the right thing by not asking. It reminds
2: me of the first time that I started working with you. Like it was a first, I forgot who you were interviewing, who you guys were interviewing, but I remember I was, I was there and I, I remember asking Schnepp, hey, do you think it would be a problem if like I went up to whatever? And he told me, all the things that you can and you can't do yeah don't do it there's there's ethics that come with this job and then that i i live by that the rest of the time
0: the number one thing that i know celebrities hate the most and that i see fans do all the time but this is understood as the number one thing you don't do but people do it all the time can you read my script i've seen it happen all the time as a matter of fact i just give him rob's you know (laughs) there was that's funny there was you know there was an that that special in evening with kevin smith Mm -hmm. oh yeah he did a second one that i think was actually recorded i can't which city it was in but there was a second one and during the audience q a thing guy got up to the microphone and asked kevin smith if he he would read a script and the whole like everybody understands you don't do that the whole audience booed like the whole stadium just boo that the guy would even ask just something you don't do um and, and yeah, so I, I think you'd made the right choice. All right, what's
1: next? Okay, we got Gabriel who writes, the only reason I binged Suits this year is because randomly out of nowhere, my YouTube shorts algorithm kept pushing all the highlights for weeks and I finally gave in. I wonder if this had something or had some influence um, or any influence on why the show started trending.
0: Well, I think the show started trending causing people looking up shorts, which started pushing it up on the YouTube algorithm to start pushing it out. So I actually think it was, a, it's a little bit of a chicken in the egg thing, but I think probably the trending power of the, as the show started to spike and interest in the show started to spike, I think that caused the YouTube algorithm to start pushing it out more, which then became a cyclical thing, right? So more people saw it on YouTube. So maybe they thought to go check it out. All right. What's next?
1: All right. And a follow-up to that garden variety, Vagabond says concerning suits, it has been trending on YouTube shorts, TikTok, and Facebook reels. Little quick uh, witty spots. Maybe they're pushing things out. I don't know.
0: Well, no. I mean, the same thing. Honestly, if you go to my YouTube feed, like not lately, but for about two months straight, it was just packed with Battlestar Galactica stuff. Shorts, show clips, all this kind of stuff, just packed with Battlestar Galactica stuff. So I, I think it's more of the fact that it's right now the number one show in the world. Four years after cancellation, it is by far the number one show in the world right now. So that's probably has more to do with it than anything else. All right, what's next?
1: Mad Chad writes, John, although my son and I enjoyed Haunted Mansion, it had a very rough weekend. Disney has had a horrible year, and this uh, film had a $150 million budget. Why are these busters so high, and at what point should Disney execs press the panic button? I'll
0: be honest with you. This movie made more money than I thought it would opening weekend. I mean, it, when I read that it made $24 million, I was like, really? Because uh, I— Listen, I have never I have not had one ounce of interest in this movie. It ended up being pretty okay. It's it's an all right movie. I I I would not try to dissuade anybody from seeing it. It's it's a pretty charming little film.
2: Unfortunately, it's gonna get lost in the shuffle with the Barbie wave still going on and then everything else. I'll like- be honest
0: with you I don't know that even if Barbie and Oppenheimer weren't out right now, I don't think it makes any more money. I really don't. I was surprised how much it made. But this movie never looked good. The trailers were never good. Um, it never looked that appealing. They certainly failed to win me over uh, with the marketing, I mean. The movie itself won me over a little bit, but the, the marketing for the movie itself wasn't all that great. Um, and I, I'll i tell you this too. I don't know if it's true that this movie cost $150 million to make. I don't know that that information is true. I don't know that it's not true. I'm just saying I don't know if it's true. If it is true, I don't see where $150 million was. That's a movie that probably should have cost from just looking, just eyeballing it, $80 million. That should have been an $80 million movie. I I just don't see where there was $150. Yeah, there was some visual effects, but, I mean, it was basically a couple of sets. Uh, And and by the way, none of the characters are big A-list stars. But it was real ghosts, though. Oh, and that's expensive. (laughs) That's right, getting the real ghosts. That gets expensive. All right, what's next? Uh,
1: Sticks and Stones with a $20 tip.
0: Saw Thank you, Sticks and Stones. Saw Insidious, The Red Door.
1: I'm a huge fan of Patrick Wilson and Ed Warren and good Aussie kid uh, Leo, Leo L. Directorial debut for Wilson. And I got to say, I love this movie. A few spots that didn't feel horror, but we're story building overall, 8 out of 10.
0: I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, it it's just one of those movies to me that just didn't interest me. And I, it didn't look good to me. And I skipped it. I, I didn't see it. I'm a big fan of Patrick Wilson, though. Oh, yeah. I do love Patrick Wilson. Yeah, he's, he's great. great. But I, yeah, nothing about it. I like, look, we literally, you, me, and Anne, I remember once from the trailer, we literally laughed at the trailer.
2: Oh, yeah, I like, watched
0: the whole time. <laughs> not a good trailer at all. And so I love that you loved it. That's great. I, I'm just saying it's a movie that didn't interest me, so I didn't bother seeing it. All right, what's next?
1: All right, then Six and Stones follows up, and I realize that Insidious is not Ed and Lorraine Warren. Just adding that uh, to the list as why I like Patrick Wilson. Yeah, Yeah, because he's not more. He's not that character.
2: He
0: can he can go and do that movie, and then he can go and be, you know, one of the kings of the ocean in Aquaman. He this is just a guy who can do a lot. I I think he's fantastic. Oh, that's right. Could I forgot be in go and fight the moon. Patrick Wilson does no wrong. <laughs> no
2: wrong. The movie's bad, but Patrick Wilson is never He's bad. He's perfect.
0: Yep. All right, what's next? Amateur
1: Child of God writes, I don't get a Rotten Tomato critic scores. I get one critic because you can determine whether or not you value their opinion. I get mass audience score because it's simply probability. Uh, what a few hundred critics or less say seems pointless in comparison, uh, yet it's what we all look at.
0: Uh, let me read that last line again. Put that up. I want to read this again. Uh, What a few hundred critics or less say is pointless. I I completely disagree. It's the reason why, look, when I'm going to get a new piece of technology, right, because you guys know I'm I'm a huge tech head. I love my tech. When I'm going to go get a new piece of tech, there are a couple of things I look at. Three things in particular. I look at the marketing of the tech. What does the company that's made this tech say about it? I look at what have consumers who have actually used it saying about it. And then I look at what do the tech pundits say about it? When you cross compare that and juxtapose that to the movie world, well, what does the company say about their own product? That's the trailers and marketing of movies, right? So I look at that. I look at what do the general consumers, what are they saying about it? That's like looking at Rotten Tomatoes audience score. But I will say give a lot more weight to what Marquise Brownlee, MKBHD, Linus, uh, Unboxed Therapy, I will give a lot more weight, I Justine, I will give a lot more weight to what they say, not because they're better but because these are individuals who for a living do nothing but engage with, test, use technology, period, all the time. That's what they do. They know the technology better than the average people who use the technology. So while I listen to what the studio says in their marketing, and I absolutely want to hear what other moviegoers are saying, I also give a lot of weight to the people who literally watch 10 times more movies than most average people, right? So i, I that's why when you talk about the MTV Movie Awards. I think they're completely fucking butt-ass useless because I don't care what somebody votes for best movie of the year when they themselves only watch six movies this year. I don't give a shit what that person thinks is the best movie of the year. They've only watched six movies this year. Which is why they're not our sponsor. Which is why they... <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> Never mind. (laughs) No story to tell here. No story to tell here. But I mean, that's that's the same thing with like with movie reviews. Like, I want to hear what the that's why I listen to all three. I listen to what the studio says. I listen to what things and they they offer different things. But I do give personally more weight to the opinions from people who literally watch ten to twenty times more movies than the average audience goer does, and that's why I look at them separately. I give different weight to each of them. I look for different things in each of them, but I do look for all three things. And I I, I say, you probably, at least if you're not a bad consumer, you probably aren't going to go and buy a $30,000 car or drop $20,000 on a new car if you don't go and read what Car and Driver says about it with the various experts who engage in used cars more than anybody else. You're going to go and listen to what they have to say. You make up your own mind, 100% for sure. But... In making, in going through the process of making up your own mind, you're absolutely going to go and listen to what the car people say about it, right? So it's three separate, and for their own individual reasons, three important things. What is the studio saying about it with their marketing? What does the audience say about it? And what do the the critics say about it? And that's why I think all three are really valuable. All right, what's next? Password is
1: password. MI7 is a dis- <laughs> is a disappointment after multiple weeks of losing to the Sound of Freedom and now it can't hold, hold off Haunted Mansion. Uh, let's not make excuses for MI7 because nobody did that for Fast X. Uh, you just made fun of it and MI7 won't come close to Fast X back, box office.
0: No, we well, and, of- and by the way, Mission Impossible 7's kicked the shit out of Sound of Freedom and Sidious or any of the other movies. It's made like yeah, four made times way more the amount money. of money, so don't, don't go there. Um, yeah, look, look, it's... I told people Mission Impossible would not be a billion-dollar movie. Only, only because, not because I didn't think it was going to be great. I think the movie's awesome. It's fantastic. It's one of my favorites of the year. It's my top five favorite movies of the year right now. I love that movie. But none of the Mission Impossible movies have ever gotten super close to a billion dollars. And I didn't see any reason to believe that this one would be any different. Now, I still expected it would be more successful than it is right now. Cause it's made what? Can you look up the? I think it's like four hundred and forty million dollars. It's it's made at the box office. So four hundred. Yeah, I want to say four hundred and forty-seven million is what it's made at the box office so far. Yeah, four 440. forty-eight. Okay, so I was way off. Um, it's made four hundred forty-eight million dollars at the box office after three weekends. Which, hey, listen again, there's a lot of movies just like Black Adam. A lot of movies I would love to say they made almost four hundred million dollars. Sure, but not if you're Black Adam and not if you're Mission Impossible. So I don't know where the disconnect happened. We can't blame it on Barbeheimer, because Mission Impossible didn't have that big of an opening weekend. I mean, not a big opening weekend. It was like the 50-something, $58 million opening 54. weekend. $54 million opening weekend. Mm-hmm. is fine, but like that... It's about what Rogue Nation did, yeah,
1: $55 million. So. Yeah,
0: so it was right on schedule of what the other Mission Impossible movies have done. And... Yeah, did I think this one would have been a bit bigger? Yes. Billion dollars? No. Am I surprised it's not done a little bit better? Yes. Did I Do I think the quality of the movie deserves to have bigger box office? Absolutely. But every once in a while, a movie comes out and is way more successful, like a Barbie, than you can explain. And a movie doesn't get the success it deserves, like maybe a Dungeons & Dragons or, in this case, a Mission Impossible 7. This, there's going to be a, post, a post-mortem, I think, on Mission Impossible 7 that we're going to have to sit down and really look at why did it not do better. Now, the other thing I'm going to say is this. It's made $448 million right now after three weekends. Like Top Gun, Tom Cruise movies, they tend to really stretch out their legs. They tend to do well for a while. So... We're not done. Mission Impossible isn't done calculating its success, but it, at the end of the day, it's not going to be as big as I think some people thought it was going to be. And certainly not as big as it deserves to be, because again, it's a wonderful movie, but it has not had the success that a lot of people thought it might have. So, but again, we still have a long ways to go. It's going to run in theaters for another three, four weeks, and we'll see where it ends up, and then we'll do our postmortem on it. All right, what's next?
1: Okay, Garden Variety Vagabond writes, just heard more on the NBC tree cutting. Uh, one, they weren't trimmed, but hacked so low that no honest tree trimmer would butcher them like this. Two, they were trimmed months out of trimming season, uh, but biggest uh, three, they weren't their trees. Lawsuits filed.
0: I, who, who wrote the question? Garden Variety. Garden Variety, you're one of our long-term awesome viewers. I don't care. <laughs> I don't give a shit about this tree trimming thing. It's a total non-story that nobody cares about. You know, I, I heard somebody somebody throw around, it's, it's picket busting, right? Guys, you know where the term came from? Is when striking workers, the companies of striking workers would literally send thugs with billy bats down to beat the shit out of people on the picket lines. Look this stuff up. This all happened. Uh, picket busting is when uh, picketers found out that their homes were on fire because the companies they work for literally sent out thugs to go and set their homes on fire. So they have to leave picket lines. I don't give a shit. If somebody chopped down some trees, I just, I'm sorry. I just don't care that anybody chopped, chopped down some trees. I really don't. All right. What's next? Uh, Full Boil writes, hi, Chris.
1: Uh, does, well, Chris isn't here, but does the SAG strike affect your ability to teach voice acting classes or does that have no connection to the Striker Guild? Also, can any of your acting work be found on any streaming services?
0: I would like to watch those, thanks. Okay, so what I can answer on her behalf is remember, the actors are on strike. You have to ask the question, who are they striking against, right? They are not striking against their own Chris is not striking against her own classes that she teaches. She and the other actors are striking against the AMPTP and all the members of the AMPTP, Netflix, Disney, Warner Brothers, uh, you know, all the various television networks and the major streaming services and all that kind of stuff, right? If Chris's class, if Chris's company, which by the way is called Speak Friend, so, if you want to look up getting voice uh, acting coaching from Chris Carr, look up Speak Friend Studios. It's Studios, right? Mm hmm. Okay. Look up, I just know the name is Speak Friend. So, look up Speak Friend. She is not a member of the AMPTP, so she is not striking against herself. So, uh, no, she's perfectly still able to teach classes. All right. What's next? All right. Peter's TPS report. Ha <laughs> ha. Nice office space uh, reference there. saw
1: TMNT this weekend, and OMG, it was amazing. I felt like I was back at my college dorm common room watching Animaniacs with all of my friends again. It was like a love letter to Gen X. That's not Gen X. Ray, forget Billion Dollar Beetle. It's now Top Charting Turtles.
0: <laughs> Actually, you know what? It is kind of Gen X. Not,
1: not the cartoon. Not Animaniacs. Yeah. Animaniacs came out in the 90s.
0: Yeah, early '90s. I th- you got Gen X in there, I believe. What? 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 what it look be, it up. When does Gen X begin? It's. It, it, so, is, maybe I'm wrong about this? Yeah, that, but, that would be millennials,
1: young millennials. That's when they like I, I'd be ish. curious
0: to know what is the because. 19, and, either way, 1965 to 1981. Oh, really? I thought it was later than that. Okay, yeah. then maybe it wasn't. Either way, we get your point. And yeah, listen, it's a charming, delightful little movie. And you know what? I didn't think of it, but now that you mentioned the kind of the comparison. To watching Animaniacs, which, by the way, I loved Animaniacs. Um, what are we doing tonight, Brain? Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. Um, Pinky and the Brain was like my Optimus Prime. I it, it does have that kind of feel to it when you watch it. It really does. It's just... It's just a movie that's going to put a smile on your face. What can I say?
1: Oh, I see. He was saying he was in college at that time. Mm. So he would have been a Gen Xer because he was college age at the time. Got it. There you go. That makes sense. Gotcha. Okay. All right. What's next? Uh, Yumi uh, writes, hi, John, thank you for everything you do. I'm a longtime listener of the show and I really enjoy the not so new anymore podcast form. (laughs) Uh, Keep doing what you're doing and bring on the filthy.
0: Thank you so much, Yumi. I really appreciate that. It's, it's been an exciting time around here. We've, been, we're not going to say who, but we've had some, a couple of great new, actually just today, I found out about two great new sponsors that are signing up. One actually signed their deal today. One is a deal is coming and that's all cool, man. I don't know if we should tell the story about the sponsor we turned down No, and I'm not talking about the, uh, the other one, the movie awards one, you know, you know, the one I'm thinking about, right? Uh, think nap time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, no. I don't think... Okay. No, you're not going to... Let's just say it's we got a, We had a company approach us that if I said the name, you would instantly know who and what they are. Oh, God, yes. Now it just rung about. Yeah, okay. I say, I'm like, how do you not remember this? Yeah. <laughs> and like Jonathan, who handles all of our sponsors, he came to me and said, hey, John, we just got a sponsorship offer from blank. Yeah. And we all just said like... Oh no!
1: You know what's funny? I was watching a, another YouTuber uh, later that day, and he was saying. So the title of his video was "We turned down this sponsor," and they had gotten the same one. They probably are the same, you know, agency as us. So. Yeah,
0: I look. You know what? There, okay, I'm not going to say what because I just thought about this. Like, I'm not going to say it because I don't want other potential sponsors. To say, oh, if we ask the John Campus show if we can sponsor them and they don't want to, they're gonna make fun of us yeah, on no, their out. So anybody. okay, so we won't do that. But hey, listen, I told you guys there are we turn down sponsors here sometimes. We only take sponsors that we actually believe in, that we actually like what they do. And uh and yeah, so I'll just leave it at that. All right, what's next? Uh, Tack writes, saw Haunted Mansion on Friday and was
1: surprised how much I loved it. Hilarious movie with amazing cast chemistry. An interesting story. The geez, what, what was her cholesterol? Oh, like? that was funny. Scene is now a favorite depiction of using
0: humor with, to deal with grief. It, it's, I, yeah, I won't go into the context of the scene, so it's not spoil anything, but that was a really funny yeah, moment. It was a great scene. Again, I'm not going to sit here and say I loved Haunted Mansion, but uh, suffice it to say, it was a much better movie than I was expecting. And uh, I-, I think there's entertainment to be had by going to watch it. All right, what's next? All right, we've got Sam Fisher who writes one of
1: two. Hey, John, on Wednesday I'm going to uh, oh a broad sh- a Broadway show called The Shark Is Broken about the making of Jaws. Oh, nice three man show with Colin Donnell uh, from Arrow playing Roy Scheider, uh, Alex Brightman from the Beetlejuice and School of Rock musicals. Um, and playing Richard Dreyfus and Ian Shaw playing his dad Robert Shaw, so no one's playing
0: Spielberg, which sucks a little, but I'm super excited. I that's a Broadway show about the making of the mo- of a movie, told from the actor's perspective. That is, I've I've never even heard of this show, but that sounds like an interesting show. I'd be down to going to see. To be honest with you, I hope it's good. Yeah. All right. What's next? All right. Uh, the
1: Murdoch Mystery writes. Got to take my mom to Barbie this weekend. First time for her in a theater since Notting Hill.
0: Wow. Least,
1: exactly one year before I was born to the day. Uh, we were both crying and love. I've gotten to treat both my parents to a proper movie experience as an adult.
0: That's awesome. I, look, one of my favorite things to do when I, when I get the chance to go up to Canada and visit my family is take my family out to movies. Kind of do it every time I go home. Um, and that is a, a great experience. And that's awesome. You got to do it with Barbie. Again, like to me, unlike Oppenheimer, which is going to probably end up in my top five films of the year by the end of the year, Barbie's not going to be in my top five films of the year, but (laughs) surprisingly smart, sharp, uh, you know, philosophical existential kind of movie that I I thought was really delightful. I'm glad you and your mom got to enjoy that one together, man. All right. What's next?
1: Okay, Godzilla's podiatrist with some well wishes here. Happy belated birthdays to Ray and Jonathan. Happy that TMNT was great. Thanks to Chris for her continuing expertise. And thanks, John, for your showbiz expertise. I'm bringing us all together each day. Keep uh, keep bringing on the filthy all.
0: Well, thank you so much. Uh, now, just a, a note. Uh,
1: $25 tip. Oh, my God.
0: twenty-five. Thank you so much, Godzilla. Um, but a programming note. Um it is not belated birthday to Ray. While we celebrated Ray's birthday on Saturday, his birthday is actually tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow is Ray's birthday. Just don't, just don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, but just a point of mention there that just his birthday don't. is actually tomorrow. Yeah. So you're not late. It's not belated. Well, thank right, Thank you, you again thank for that, you. man. I appreciate you supporting our channel on that level. All right, what's next? Okay, from Oppie. Have any of you
1: guys tried the new movie pass yet? Um, <laughs> oh, this is a two two parter. If yes, uh, is it worth it? I'm asking because I like to go to my local Regal, but I don't always like to go there, as I sometimes prefer an AMC Dolby, etc. So what I really want is a subscription for all theaters, especially because I can't afford any more to pay for a list, as it's not worth it if I go once or twice a month and add on travel time. Mm. Also, I want to go to see certain movies with a friend, but I want to make it worth it. So, yes. Here's my problem.
0: It. I only have one movie theater that's really legitimately close to me, and that's an AMC. I use my – I go to that AMC for about 95% of the movies that I go to see. Um, so I have not had – and nor do I really have the opportunity to test out. but I am very curious – his, for the new ownership and see how they do with the new structure to see if it works but i i, I unfortunately can't really give any input on that his situation sounds perfect for movie pass to be honest yeah. If it works if it works at
2: the theaters he mentioned like that's that's where the the big hiccup is i i don't want him going to get movie pass and then going to AMC and they don't accept it that's that would be the worst thing ever so i can't say from experience but his situation does sound like it's perfect it, movie pass yeah, you being... sound
0: like the ideal person that they made movie pass for. The other option is, of course, just get Regal's uh, Regal Unlimited pass. It's well, not it's quite fast. as good as a list. <laughs> no, no, it's it's the it's the second best one out there. It's not as good as a list, but it's it still will save you a ton of money uh, if you use it. It's just the big difference between Regal Unlimited, as far as I can tell, uh, Regal Unlimited and AMC A List is the fact that. If you want to go see a movie in 3D yep, or in actually. one of their premium screens, then you also have to pay like a $3 upcharge or something like that. With AMC A-List, you can see it in a regular theater, in an IMAX, in an AMC Prime, a 3D movie, and it's it's all included. So that's the other big difference. Yeah.
1: All right, what's next? Uh, if you want to take a break, we can because now we're on a supers.
0: All right, in that case, we will now take a break, guys. We're going to take just a quick moment here and thank the sponsor of today's episode of Open Mic, Our friends, my mobile service provider, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, com slash Campia. Cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Campia. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for sponsoring the John Campia show and all of our channel. By the way, guys, absolutely make sure you go. If you don't use Mint Mobile, you are just throwing money away every month. Go and check them out. All right that down let's get over to the super chat questions here shall we jonathan we've got up first
1: all right uh first up we've got joe adon oh no aiden foley writes now official five nights of freddy's rated pg-13
0: surprising but not terribly surprising i mean there's a lot you could we talked about this before there's a lot you can do that's that's gory or whatever and still be pg-13 there's a lot you can do in pg-13 if they're not going to be killing a lot of children brutally with blood gushing then i think they'll be okay but I don't know. Ever since they announced that they're releasing it in theaters and on Peacock day and date, I've kind of lost all my faith in the movie, to be honest with you. But I'm still curious to see it. What's next? All right. Joe Adonis T. writes, hey, John,
1: uh, John, John, and Ray, I have a documentary recommendation for you. Glitch, the rise and fall of HQ trivia on Max. HQ trivia was a game changer back then. Did you participate back then? And did. I I got close. I got within two questions. Once, did you? And then I I gave up after that. I got. Does too it frustrated. still
0: exist or did it die? That I don't know. I just gave up. So, but like for a moment in time, it became like one of the biggest things, right? It was this. She, I never participated in myself, but Anne did, and she did pretty well in it. She never won, obviously, but um, I had no idea there was a documentary about it. I'm gonna have That's to check cool. it out. Thank you for putting that on my radar. All right, what's next? Mike Goldberg, rights. Uh, Rest in peace, Pee Wee. We'll miss you, Spleen. Uh, Again, it was so surprising to hear that. And again, I I was equally surprised hearing that he was 70 years old. I I never would have guessed he was that age. He still looked great. He still sounded great. And uh, yeah, we will RIP to the spleen. All right, what's next?
1: Okay, uh, we've got Matt saw TMNT on Saturday. I had a really fun time watching it. And I want to know John and Ray's favorite character in the movie
0: besides Superfly. Mine was Donatello. It's hard not to love Superfly, man. Yes, yeah, Superfly. Superfly was probably my favorite character in the movie. Uh, other than that, Splinter. I mean, there is a '70s dad looking Splinter in this movie that is really funny, <laughs> um, and of course, Splinter gets a great action scene. But yeah. I, I think Splinter was probably my favorite. Which one? Like yours was Mikey, right? Because Mikey's your Mikey.
2: guy. Of course, it's Mikey.
0: Yeah, Mikey's Mikey's your guy.
2: But Donatello would come in a close second. I thought he his. Uh he just seems so uh
0: in- innocent. <laughs> Leo was great too. Yeah. I mean they were all they were all great. It was wonderful. Yeah. But Superfly and Splinter. That's that's who you're seeing this movie Superfly, a Superfly is so good. All right, what's next?
1: Uh Sootheus writes, Rice. I thought I'd do a ranking of MCU D plus finales with WandaVision, Loki, Falcon Winter Soldier, Hawkeye Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, and Secret Invasion.
0: Uh, I mean WandaVision absolutely. I'm not sure. I love the Loki finale. I did, but did I mean, you? yeah, um, I, I like the the Winter
1: Soldier because he becomes, he kind of like finally, keeps yeah, ownership. yeah.
0: I didn't love Falcon the Winter Soldier, yeah, but, but character was, the, wise, the finale was pretty strong. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the finale. That one's a pretty good one too. Yeah. All right. What's next? All right. Uh, Suthius writes: um,
1: Timothy Elephant portrays marshals and sheriffs in shows like The Mandalorian, Justified, and Deadwood. <laughs>
0: uh, talk about typecasting,
1: but man, he's so good.
0: You know what? I getting, didn't even think about that. And getting that, paid either way. <laughs> that goes along with the Russell Crowe playing superhero oh, yeah. dads lately, in because uh, he's Hercules' dad, he's Craven's dad. And he's Superman's dad Yeah. <laughs> in, in all three things. I didn't even think about that, but you're absolutely right. Timothy All is the law man. That's who he is. That's a great thing to bring up. <laughs> all right, what's next? Uh, Joe Donis is back. Hi, John.
1: Uh, John and Ray, I think the Brits have perfected the six-episode TV. Each season is well-crafted and has a satisfying end. With all the great shows from Apple TV, did they perfect the 10-episode TV?
0: I'm not really pronouncing anybody's perfected anything, uh, other than to say that Disney Plus definitely doesn't do it right. I don't think there. listen, there just simply isn't a way to do it right with the IPs that they're using. And like the British ones, like, aren't the, like, I remember I tried watching some of um, Benedict Cumberbatch and who's the guy who plays Watson? It's the guy from the sure, MCU. Watch.
1: Yeah, no, no, he's talking about Watson. Um, oh, well. He's also in Wakanda forever. And yeah, everything.
0: yeah, and he and he was uh, <laughs> yeah, Bilbo Baggins. Now oh, I, right, right, Martin. Martin. Martin Freeman. Freeman, right. Um, I try to watch a bit of that. And I, so I never did finish wa- watching it, but weren't like the episodes like ninety minutes? They, or something?
1: Those were long episodes. But if you look at something like the original Office, they would do thirty minutes, six episode. Yeah, but that's, the, that's, that's a, a situ- comedy, that's sitcom, a right? Yeah. I mean, um, I kind of I kind of do agree, but I also feel like they don't have as many filler episodes. Like when you said Disney Plus needs to learn how to do it right, here they're giving us these thirty minute six six episode seasons, and then they have the audacity to give us
0: filler episodes. So you know what it is. They know how to write movies. Yeah. And they're still writing stories that are for movies and then diluting them, stretching them out, making them go over and giving these really unsatisfying 30-minute episodes. It's just, yeah, they've just done it so wrong in so many ways. Uh, Anyway, all right, what's next? Fanimator writes, After Barbie Mattel announced Mark Forster, Christopher
1: Robin, A Man Called Otto, is directing a Thomas and Friends film (laughs) that will be a
0: live-action animation hybrid. Uh, like the show's old seasons, thoughts? I have not heard that that's official, but I will say this. A Thomas, the train engine, has literally, they've been talking about doing a, a, a movie of that ever since I was at AMC. I still remember doing AMC movie talk and covering that as a story. So if, they, if they've now got the confidence to try it, but here's the thing that they're going to discover, and this is the same thing Nintendo's going to discover. Just because it worked for Barbie does not mean it's going to work for their other stuff. Just because it worked for Mario... Does not mean it's going to work for their other stuff. I mean, because there's only one Barbie and there's only one Mario, so I I, I don't blame them for wanting to take a swing. It's it's not as
2: big as a franchise or whatever brand name that uh, as Barbie, but I I'm still looking forward to that Barney, Barney. Oh, <laughs> the Barney, the uh, uh, Danny Kaluas, yeah, yeah. producing
0: seems really interesting. I, they gonna- said it's going to feel like an A twenty four movie. Yeah, which it's like okay. Listen, if you want to see the best Barney Barney movie, it's called Death to Smoochie with Robin Williams and uh, um, who played the Hulk. Oh, yeah. Edward Norton. Edward Norton. Uh, Death to Smoochie, Robin Williams, Edward Norton. Don't pay any attention to what the reviews say about it. It's Fucking awesome! It's so good. Go watch. Death In retrospect,
1: of people ended it. It became a cult classic. It
0: did. It became a great cult classic. Go watch it.
1: Uh, All right. What's next? Jacob Leaf writes. Uh, I did a quintuple feature yesterday to kick. So was that five? Yeah, a quintuple feature yesterday to kick off my vacation. It was amazing.
0: I saw Barbie, Haunted Mansion, MI7, Indiana Jones, and Talk to Me. Yeah, the only one of wow. that I haven't seen is Talk to Me um i know ann wants to see it so I, maybe i will i i am still not sure i'm gonna watch it but ann wants to see it, so maybe i will at some point but that sounds like a fun time at the movies that's, man. A, that's
2: a long day that's a day.
0: full day that is have a, been at a cinemark <laughs> to be that comfortable with the table that's right those nice chairs the, the, <laughs> the reasonably priced concessions the blanket availability <laughs> all right what's next
1: <laughs> Christopher Brickner uh, writes, Elemental is the bo- best box office multiplier for Pixar since Toy Story 1 and will soon pass $400 million total, uh, double its budget. It is the reverse flash as, as Great Legs <laughs> saved Elemental from disaster.
0: I don't know what you mean by best multiplier. I, I, I don't know how, how you're applying yeah, that term. That. Um, yeah, it still hasn't made money, though. That's the thing. It's doubled its budget. But when you figure in like a $100 million marketing budget, and then you take what's, uh, Ray, yeah, bring up a calculator quick. What's 400 minus 33%? 400
2: minus 33%. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, where's uh, my calculator? <laughs>
2: I haven't used that in years.
0: Okay. Let so, know, 132.
1: Up. So, 400 minus 132 is 268.
0: Okay. So, really. The movie's made 268, but it needs to get to 300 to break even. So it's probably got to make another, well, it needs to make another $50 million to basically break even. Elemental needs to make another $50 million, and it ain't going to make another $50 million at this point. But really, we were mentioning this earlier. It looked for a while like Elemental wasn't even going to get to 300 million, but word of mouth got out there people kept going to see it and going to see it. And so it crossed the $400 million mark, and it's still going to end up losing money. There's no way around that. It's going to lose money, but it's going to lose a lot less money than it originally looked like it was going to lose. And listen, this movie is wonderful, not top two, three or four best Pixar movies of all time or anything like that, but it is a wonderful, delightful movie. If you haven't seen uh, this movie yet, go check it out. All right. What's next?
1: Uh Daniel vacura writes what is w b thinking in December? I'm sure there will be delays, but one studio putting out three films with Wonka twelve twenty Aquaman Two on twelve twenty and the color purple on twelve twenty five is dumb just hurting yourself
0: well yes and no I mean Barbeheimer just proved you can have you can have different types of movies opening close to each other in the case of Oppenheimer and Barbie they literally opened on the same day yeah and be really successful um Again, Mission Impossible opened with nothing else opening against it, and it only managed to make $54 million opening weekend. Again, which would be a great number for a lot of movies, but not for Mission Impossible. Aquaman is going to be a very different movie from Color Purple. Yeah. And Color Purple is going to be a very different movie from Willy Wonka. And it's coming out in the biggest movie-going month of the year, right? More people go to the movies in the month of December than any other single month of the year. So there is a lot of business to go around. Now, I think you're right. I suspect that Warner Brothers will move one of those out. I don't know which one, and I don't know move to where. But if they don't, I think they can be just fine. I I really honestly do. Like, given what we know, and given what we understand about the month of December, I think it could be just fine. So we'll see. All right, what's next? All right,
1: we've got John Redcorn. Haunted Mansion had a twenty-four million dollar opening, same as the Eddie Murphy one, and had a global opening of thirty-three on a one-fifty budget. Another box office
0: disaster for Disney. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I still, I don't know what they were thinking about even making this movie. I mean, I, I did tell you day one that they announced this thing. I'm like, really? Nobody asked for this. I have not once heard anybody say, "You know, what we really need somebody to take another crack at Haunted Mansion." That's what we need. Listen, I get thousands of messages from film fans every day. I don't remember one of them saying that. I, I honestly do not know what they were thinking in making this movie in the first place. I could have told you there's no way that is going to break even. So, yeah, yeah, it is what it is. All right, what's next?
1: Um, we've got Raymond Verada. Have you seen They Clone Tyrone? I,
0: I can't say how, but somebody let me watch that movie a while ago, and it's really good. I can't. I couldn't even tell which. What is it? Netflix or Netflix. is it one of the Netflix? Watch it. It's it's really fun. Uh, John Boyega great in it. Jamie Fox steals the show. It's it's clever. It's got a little bit of a Attack the Block feel to it. I, again, it, it's not. I'm not saying it's just like Attack the Block, but when you're watching, it's got that feel to it. It's got that and a. Um, uh what's up? What's the uh Hot Fuzz? Uh, for me, it's a, got a little bit of a DNA feel of Simon Pegg's Hot Fuzz and a little bit of John Boyega's other film Attack the Block to it. So, yeah. All right, what's next? All right. Uh we got Rob
1: Battenbat. Bat. Um got to say how happy I am for Margot Robbie after a string of flops. She finally is going to have a billion dollar film. Cheers for my favorite Aussie.
0: I can't remember which day we did it. Um Ray, mm-hmm. hey, if you remember, let me see if I can find it here. Oh, we, her opening, her Margot yeah. We Robbie had open. this chart. Um, that's not it. That's not it. I'm gonna look at the 26th. No, I can't find it anywhere. Mm. See if you can find it. Tell me which day it was, Ray, that we did that one with Margot Robbie, um, showing all of her recent films. I I, I think it was probably longer ago than I. Th- yeah. See if you can find out which day it was in, and, and let me know and I'll pull it up. But, like, the last five or six, Margaret, she's absolutely one of the best actresses in the world. She's got Oscar nominations. She's going to win an Oscar at some point. She's a marvelous talent, and she can lead a movie. But she is not what you would call a big box office draw. Granted, I don't know there's more than two or three performers you can say that about anymore that are actually, on their own, their name brings in big box office. I, I don't know that there are more than two or three of those. But... Yeah, she's done a number of movies recently, her last five, and none of them have done really well at the box office. Like, none of them. So for her to have come out and have this one and have this big of a hit, to have that on her resume now, that is a truly movie that she legitimately led was able to become a billion-dollar film, that's that's going to be really good for her moving forward. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. And actually, you know, I was looking at the uh, these release dates, and actually um, – uh, Wonka comes out a week before Aquaman, and Aquaman comes out a week before Color
0: Purple. So there is a week gap between each one. Yeah, there's July a-, there's 24th. a yeah. July 24th. July 24th yeah. is the day that we had it. Let me see if I can find it. Robbies. Um, No, I see the Barbie graphic, but I don't see the- uh... I don't see the Robbies. Oh, there it is. Okay, yeah, bring this up, Jonathan. All right. If we can. Yeah. So yeah, there it is. Like These are the opening weekends- for Margot Robbie films, right? Now, Barbie opened $162 million, right? These are the opening for her last five films. Babylon, $3 million. Amsterdam, $6 million. James Gunn Suicide Squad, $26 million. Birds of Prey, $33 million. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, $41 million. That one's not bad, but still, no big hit. Right. No, nothing that, nothing that would say, and by the way, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood isn't even really Margot Robbie's movie. That's, that's Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio's movie, but still she has not been able to really find that thing or have that one huge major blockbuster on her resume. That is truly her vehicle. And for Barbie to do that is, is pretty damn impressive. All right. What's next? Uh, We've got Raymond Verrata. Someone threw their drink
1: at Cardi B and she retaliated by throwing her mic must have hit another person and that person filed a police
0: report. It's a sucky situation. I don't like hitback babies. I hate hitback babies. They're, they are the lowest form of scum on the earth to me. What is a hitback baby? A hitback baby is somebody who comes up to you, punches you, you turn around and punch them back, and then they go crying to mama. I have encountered some hit back babies in my life. And there's no lower form of scum on the earth than those people. So if some idiot decided to throw a drink at Cardi B and she whipped her microphone back at the dude and knocked that fucker out, I'm all for it. That's great. But it does get complicated. Because if you're going to throw, and by the way, I'm not, I'm not read on this story. So I don't know the ins and outs of the details of it, just saying that up front. But if that, you better make sure you hit the right person.
2: She didn't, from right
0: from what they're saying. Like you, if you're gonna whip a microphone back at somebody, threw a drink at you, which I think you got every right to do. But you hit the wrong person. That person didn't do anything to you. Mm -hmm. That person's just there enjoying your show, and all of a sudden, by the way, concert grade microphones are freaking hard as hell and heavy, and one of those gets flung at you and sh- knocks you in the you head knowing? I I listen I don't blame Cardi B for being mad and throwing her mic back but I don't blame some dude who's just standing there minding their own business getting hit in the head by a microphone I don't blame them for if they want to go to the police and, and file a report either
2: and if we get can get technical and I all of this is wrong anyways it's liquid and then you're throwing metal I mean come on
0: I I I still no I if you somebody's on a stage and they're performing. They're not in a fight with you. It's not like they know to look for something I, coming. I'm saying, yeah. And somebody no hit you in you. the head with the, with right. something. I mean, I, I don't care. I will fucking take a baseball bat and knock you up the head. I mean, that that's just, you start something, buddy, you better be willing to follow it through. Like, because you can seriously hurt somebody when they don't suspect. They just think they're on stage having a good time. Nothing and everything, just doing a good thing. And out of nowhere... Something comes flying out, hits you in the face. Listen, you're up there on stage with a lot of electrical equipment. You're on a lot of times these thin platforms. You got stuff and monitors all over the stage. I'll take something to hit you in the side of the head that you don't see coming. You fall over, bang your head, whatever. You Look, I, it's not an exaggeration to say you could kill somebody doing that. You could kill somebody doing that. So I don't mind at all her whipping the microphone. Like, you got to defend yourself. And... You better not be a fucking punchback baby if it happens, but you hit the wrong person. I can see that person being very upset and wanting to file a police report. I, I, I totally get it. It's a sucky situation, but whoever threw that drink in the first place, whoever threw that drink in the first place should be curb stopped. Should have their balls curb stopped. Like, because that's just bullshit. Like somebody's not up and not in a fight with you. They don't even see something coming. And you decide to sucker something at them. Fuck you, man. All right. What's next?
1: Uh, Kevin Rubio writes, uh, John Barbie is a phenomenon uh, because it's speaking to fifty percent of an audience that is rarely gets spoken to in such honest, relatable manner, and they're coming back to share that experience with others.
0: I agree with that. I don't believe that it's only speaking to fifty percent of the audience. Like I, I, I watched that to movie. all of them. I watched that movie as a guy, and it has a lot to say. And it, and it wasn't just to fifty percent of the audience. Now, yeah, listen. There's a scene in this movie with America Ferreira, it's it's the main scene of the movie, the main turning point of the movie is the scene where, with America Ferreira giving this exposition, giving this speech to Barbie, right? And it's the whole, the entire movie kind of hinges on the speech. And I think it's an incredibly insightful thing, but it mostly targeted women, but I found the movie as a whole spoke to men as well. And it is a surprisingly... I'm going to say this. It's a surprisingly balanced movie. And, and, and I look, is it, is it primarily a female target? Sure, primarily. But it was surprisingly balanced out, too. And I felt like it was speaking to me, too, uh, in a lot of it. But listen, I'll also say this. There have been a lot of movies that have tried to speak to women, right? There have been movies that come out and try to speak to women or try to speak to issues. But that has not made those movies hits, There, there's another level here because if Barbie just sucked, I don't think we would have seen a second weekend make $93 million, but the reality is there's an incredible quality to it as well. Great writing, great characters, great philosophy. I mean, it's just, they do a really, really good job. So is that part of it, Kev? I I would say it's a part of it, but I wouldn't limit it by saying it only speaks to women because I didn't find that to be the case. That's just me. Alright, what's next? You'd say it brings the pink out in everybody. It brings everybody's got something pink in their in their shed. Uh Fangblaze71 says,
1: uh, I'm starting to think after Endgame, Kevin Feige was the one who got replaced by Skrull. Apparently, the <laughs> super scroll fight was all his idea.
0: I again, it's the one thing. I got all the respect in the world for Kevin Feige. He he's a cinematic hero to me. But it's the only time in the last 13 years that I've ever thought. Yeah, there have been things Kevin Feige's done that I've not liked. Sure, of course. I mean, he's made 30-plus movies. There are going to be things and elements you don't like, for sure. But I have never once wanted to sit down with Kevin and go, what were you thinking? And and that, that happened with the finale of Secret Invasion for me. All right, what's next? Okay, John Redcorn, it's a shame what's happening in MI7,
1: one of the best films of the year, and it may not even make 600. What's the lesson to be learned
0: from this? I think just because a movie star has one movie that makes a billion dollars, you can't just assume their next movie in a different franchise will do so as well. Uh, and again, we talked about this every time MI7 came up before it released in theaters was that, listen guys, no Mission Impossible movie's ever made a billion dollars. I mean, I was expecting bigger success for MI7 because I thought the Mission or Mission Impossible, I thought Top Gun success would lead to more buoyancy for Mission Impossible 7. I still didn't think it would get to a billion dollars, but but yeah, I, I agree. It doesn't look like it's going to hit 600 million, but again, don't count out Tom Cruise movie's legs because they tend to appeal to a more mature, older audience and more mature, older audiences. And Top Gun showed this don't necessarily feel the need to rush out to see movies on their opening week or two. They, they'll, they'll go to see it on week four or five or six, right? Like we saw that happen with Top Gun. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Mission Impossible 7. I'm just saying don't count that out yet. All right, what's next?
1: Okay, Dylan Fernando writes, Warner Brothers releases Wonka on December 15th, Aquaman December 20th, color purple on 25th. Do you think one will move? I
0: don't, I think it's perfectly spaced. I, I wouldn't be surprised if one did. If one does, I think it'll be Aquaman. Because we're hearing that that movie's a complete mess right now. Yeah. Uh, again, and that's not coming from Gus's. Oh, I have a source. No, 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 this was coming from like Variety that was writing that. So, if one of the moves, it'll probably be Aquaman. All right. What's next?
1: Um, Duck Duck writes. How do you all feel about Ro- uh, Robert Eggers? I love The Witch and really
0: like The Northman recently. I loved The Witch. I loved The Northman. I still don't know what the hell the lighthouse was. <laughs> I still have no idea. I still kind of like it though. I, I, I love the performance in the in the, the the visuals. Performances are incredible, yeah. right? Yeah. The style they did like a four by three aspect ratio. They did it in black and white. It's artistically really appealing. The performances uh, by Robert Pattinson yeah. and uh, 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 William, De- William De- DeFoe, Defoe were. Phenomenal. Yeah. I'm not
1: about to write an essay on it
0: though. Yeah. But the thing is, I walked out of that. I still remember I did like an out theater. I'm like, I don't know what the F I just saw. <laughs> I, I still to this day have no idea what that movie is. <sighs> but there's something oddly appealing about, but listen, The Witch I thought was fantastic. Northman, fantastic. So I'm always going to be curious to see what movies he does. Because whatever it is. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. All
1: right. We met him at the studio. I think you. We. It might have been Collider, but it was when you were still there. Yeah. Yeah. He came by. He He was always. Yeah. He was great. All right. Um, What's next? Vixter five thousand one. Great summer of film. Loved Oppenheimer. Barbie was great, but number one is Past Lives for me. Such a beautiful film. Glad Chris seemed to enjoy London. Yeah, I haven't seen Past Lives.
0: That's the the Korean film. I think it's Korean. I
1: believe. Yes.
0: Yes, uh, Yeah, not not familiar with it, unfortunately. All right, and that's it? Yep. Guys, that'll do it for this uh, longer than normal episode of Open Mic. Thank you so much for being here and making the show a big part of your day. Special thank you to all you guys who sent in the, the questions, number one, because you gave us really interesting things to talk about, but number two, you supported this channel as you did it. I want to thank the people in the studio with me. Ray? Hey. hey. Jonathan's over there. <laughs> See you guys later. Remember, guys... Don't chop down trees, and don't throw drinks at people on stage. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, (laughs) bye-bye.